It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody and welcome back to Total Liverpool Podcast. My name is Simo. Today I'm joined by Adam. Say hello Adam. Hi everybody. And we're also joined by D. Hello Deej. Hello, hello. Uh, and what we're going to be doing today lads is reviewing the quite special fixture, uh, something called the game of the season and a season of particularly good football um, for the neutrals as is, is our match we played against Man City. Uh, last night, uh, and I was just saying to large before we started, I'm quite glad that I had 24 hours to kill off because I was very, <laughs> very sort of heart pumping. This was a, uh, an up and down fixture for us. Um, extremely exciting, um, minus the, the first half. It was, it was more, more nerve wracking for us than anything. Uh, but I want to jump in and get the opinion of the lads right away. Adam, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, give us your thoughts in the match. Um, like, I mean, I think as, as we predicted, we started the game pretty well. Um, tried to start the game quite quickly, um, but but boy oh boy, was it did it end quickly as well. We uh, we we got pretty much battered for that first forty five minutes, and uh, and some would argue maybe quite lucky to to not go in a goal down. I I actually think the chances that Man City created in that first half were were easy enough for us to not concede from a lot of them was, was Foden coming in from that tight angle. Um, Alisson made a couple of good saves, but a couple of saves you'd, you'd sort of expect him to make. Um, so I, I actually think we, we we did okay to sort of just see that out, get to half-time, and, and Klopp obviously shoved a rocket up their arse at half-time. And, <laughs> and, and, and we came out and, and I think instantly looked better. I think it was like the first couple of minutes, Henderson won the ball up really high. We had a, a chance where Jota's shot, maybe he should have played Mane through, but um, that sort of set the tempo for the second half, I thought, um, and when we were much better and and maybe edged it in the second half in terms of being the better side in, in that one. So I think overall, a draw was probably a fair result looking at, on the stats alone. Yeah, now that I've had sort of time to reflect on it, I think the draw is a, is a generous result for us, um, considering a couple of things went, went our way in this game. <clears throat> I thought yeah. we were... Um, I might say we're totally dreadful in the first half. I think Man City's passing and stuff can can make a side look particularly worse than they are. I mean, we kind of split the split them for possession in the first half, which I thought we, we did well to do because when when, Ma, when Man City can really get a foot on the ball and starve the opposition of possession, it's when they really tend to go on progressing and give it and give a good kicking to any side. It's just they they just had so much more intent with their possession than us. I, I think their their passing was a little bit more. Brave and creative, um, they were willing to shoot uh, from tight angles and, and put just put like shots on the board. You know, you've got to be you've got to buy the ticket to to, to win the prize. You know what I mean? And and we just kind of, I think we were afraid to give away the the ball in certain areas of the pitch. I think we were afraid to press. And there was a lot of times you kind of looked at a player that was uh, maybe in midfield, Curtis Jones in particular, was just couldn't find a good pressing pattern in in, in the first half in, in particular. Um, but overall, for us to get a point in this game, I think I thought it was pretty good because. Uh, I'll come straight out there before I, cu- I come to you, DJ. Is the uh, the James Mill the, the decision at the time? I was like, oh, it's never a yellow, it's never a yellow. Looking back and uh, and reflecting, I think he was extremely, extremely fortunate uh, to mm-hmm. remain on the pitch. Um, 
but you know these these decisions they sort of they split hairs and it might have been a reluctance from the referee to take off uh to to to, to give a, a, a second yellow it instead of player off in a match like this um because they know they get they get absolute pelters for it uh, for running good because it was it was turning out to be a you know a terrific sort of real, real, this match really hit its stride in the in the second half where it became ultra competitive and really did become that spectacle that the, the neutrals would have would have would have enjoyed um but yeah this was this was absolutely two of the best teams in the world coming up against each other showing their quality in the second half um but before I give any sort of more more more, more thoughts on I want to come to you Deej and, and get get your um get your ideas on, on how you thought this match went for us. Yeah, well, I'll touch on what you were talking about, about Millie there first. I mean, arguably, he should have been off before that tackle on, on Bernardo Silva because the, the challenge on Foden, I think, is a yellow card offence. Yeah, it was outside the box. They should have got a free kick for it. I think Foden did himself dirty by going down, getting up, and then going back down dramatically again. Uh, but for me, that was a yellow card and nothing was given. Obviously, the yellow card he got, that would have been his second and he'd have got sent off at that point. And then that challenge on Bernardo Silva as well was definitely worth a yellow card too. So arguably Millie should have had three yellow cards this game rather than <laughs> just the one. But uh, luck was on our side, it seems. But my thoughts on the game in general, though, I mean, you touched on how we matched City for possession in, in the first half. I think the main reason that the stats show that, I think it's kind of a, a weird stat to look at because the first 10 minutes of the half, we pretty much had all of the ball. And then for the next 35 minutes, City pretty much had all of the ball. And when we got it, we couldn't get out our own half. We were we were well and truly battered in the first half. And I think that first 10 minutes of us dominating skewed those possession stats maybe a little. I think we were smothered by City after that. Uh, we'd try and bring it forward. The person most successful bringing the ball forward for us uh, yesterday was Joel Matip. He was, the only one that really seemed, yeah, <laughs> he was the only one that really seemed to be able to get out. But if the ball was passed into our own half to somebody like Jota or Curtis Jones, three or four City players around them straight away, ball off them, City are on the attack again. And it's uh, it really was like a tactical masterclass as well. I mean, you look at the heat maps for City's players, they basically didn't touch the centre of the pitch. The path that they took almost every time was a ball out to De Bruyne or Kyle Walker on the right-hand side or Gabriel Jesus, who would then switch it to Foden and then Foden would cut inside and either shoot or look to play in one of the late runners from that right-hand side. And it was very, very effective because they, they're obviously targeting our weaker right-hand side with Milner there instead of Trent. And it, it, it gave them exactly what they wanted it to do. Uh, we were lucky to go in at halftime uh, not having conceded. And I think Allison is, is probably the, uh, the person we have to thank the most for that. He made a couple of good saves. Uh, but then the second half comes in and Liverpool are an entirely different beast. And now I don't think this was a tactical decision by Klopp to, to kind of lull City into a false sense of security in the first half because I think we were much worse than just giving them a taste in the first half. Uh, but that second half, it was like a, all the players had completely new legs, completely new mindset, and the mentality monsters were back, if you like. Uh, that The first goal on the counter that we scored from Salah to Mane sort of reminded me of Liverpool of old. And then Salah's second goal, oh my God. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, so I won't say too much right now. But uh, I think overall, though, for the City's second goal, I, w I was gutted by that. It literally ripped the heart out of my chest because if Matip hadn't got in the way, and, and I know he's a defender, he should try and get in the way and block every shot. But if Matip didn't get in the way there, Ali had it covered, 100% had it covered. Uh, and the fact that we then concede because of this deflection that's meant to be a block and lose the three points from that. Um, but overall, the, the point is definitely a good result for us. I think not losing against City is the target when Liverpool play them. Uh, same with Chelsea, probably the same with United as well. They're probably the three teams in the league where we're going out not to lose, not going out to win. Um, now, surely the players will want to go out to win, but I think everyone involved in Liverpool Football Club will probably turn around and go, yeah, that's a good point yesterday, especially after the first half performance. And we're still the only unbeaten side in English football, so it can't all be bad, can it? It <laughs> can't all be bad indeed. Yeah, I think you gave a couple of really, really good points here, Deej. Um whether it was like intentional for, for Klopp to, to kind of keep it tight till half time, maybe so. He looked extremely um, animated on the touchline. <laughs> so, whether that was just a, a sort of, because he kept the main sort of message he came to send out is to, is to be a little braver. There's, yeah. there's that sort of that Sky Sports clip of him just shouting, be brave <laughs> in the general direction of the, of the players. Um, I think for the second half, it was, um, it was a little bit about, you know, really 
coming out at the, the natural positions and pressing whoever was nearest to the ball pressed it and you're not too worried about coming out your own sort of zonal position to do it because you know for a fact that that, that City they, you know their idea was very much to put themselves in, in one-on-one battles that, that would favour City in this match uh, the main one for be you know as you mentioned that down their left hand side on the Phil Foden the other right hand side um, to put James Milner in, under a lot of posi- uh, pressure I thought Joe Gomez did a, a particularly good job when he came on um <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I want to say a, a, a good job of just being stable. I don't think he was outstanding or anything like that, but I think he could have even come on a bit earlier. He could have even come on at half time, in my opinion, uh, Joe Gomez, and settled into that right full back position. I really do like him in the right back position. Um, if James Wilner wasn't as exceptional as he is uh, in the game against in games against lesser opposition, I think Joe Gomez could have could have nailed down that position uh, for himself already. And I, I think, think the reason be... Milner was favoured though is because Milner's more likely to get forward where Gomez yeah, I is think, yeah. more defensive minded. Really, yeah. That place. I, I would say so as well because um, although I, I, what I was meaning with, with Milner being so um, exceptional is, is you know he's, he does have a really good um, record going forward and yeah. from a full back position. Uh, and I, I, I think there's something to be said about this being a good point in terms of we were missing the most creative player in the Premier League yep. in this match and still managed to get a, a point against that. Uh, I want to say a full Man City side. <laughs> they don't really well, have a weekend Gund- side. Gundogan wasn't there, <laughs> wasn't there and Gundogan's really the only way they exercise the centre of the park at the moment. So, uh, well, they, they had to play wide. They had, they had Rodri and they had De Bruyne and they had Bernardo Silva. That's a pretty decent was midfield. Out on the, yeah, but the De, Bruyne, <laughs> De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva were pretty much playing out on the right for them with De Bruyne switching to the left every now and then. Uh, I mean, like I say, check the heat maps. Literally nothing in the centre of the field. It was all down the wings for City. Yeah, I, th- I think what they missed was the times that... Uh, when I mentioned earlier that Alisson came out and made a few saves against Foden in the first half from, from quite tight angles, um, they were good saves, but again, like I said, saves you sort of expect him to make. I think City were missing the Gundogan in the sense that he'd be the guy in the centre of the box where... Foden would have that option to pass, that option to sort of square it across and create a better shooting opportunity for somebody like Gundogan. Whereas you look yesterday, Foden had he had to shoot pretty much every time because there was no one really making that option for him. Um, and and it, that goes back to sort of the talk of City really sort of needing that central striker really because they have got Gundogan sort of doing that job for them at the moment. Yeah, and they had, uh, I think Jack really kind of played in the false nine. For us, quite a lot. Yeah, I, I thought out, he was coming out pretty terrible, though, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> no, he definitely, he definitely didn't cover himself in glory um, going through the middle, but it's not really his game. I don't think he could be heavily criticised for that. Um, I think if he had a real striker yesterday, they win that game easy. They'd have been 2 0 up at half time. I mean, perhaps an a, a Aguero from a few years ago, maybe, maybe really puts a foot on his head. I mean, I, th- I, think I mean, you said he's all right, and I think Gunnar had his, potentially his, his best season in a City shot last season. Um, I think he's a, he's an incredible talented midfielder, um, and a midfield as strong as Man City's though. I just they would have a lot of injuries for me to say that any sort of lack of strength. I mean, I don't think I don't think you could t- split too much in, in between De Bruyne yeah. and, and Silva and Gundogan. They're, they're, they're good in different situations, but overall they're all very high quality midfielders that get in virtually any side of the world on a regular basis. I think uh, if we're talking about strikers for City, though, I think uh, Aguero would have obviously been fantastic just because he's a fantastic player. But I think the the perfect ex-City striker to have had on the pitch in that game yesterday would have been Edin Dzeko. I think Edin mm-hmm. Dzeko would have just completely buried us in the first half. I think that's a, a, a good sort of target to hit. I mean, they'd be really, I, I think your, your analysis of them exploiting the wide areas and putting ourselves in one-on-one um, sort of situations later on from Gunnar may, may have been beneficial but I think it's sacrificing that and, and and you put a De Bruyne on the edge of the box which they do score with eventually um, but yeah I mean a, a proper centre forward that you can, you can hit the ball at and, and aim at I think yeah could could benefit sitting this uh, in this sort of scenario I know Pep loves this sort of you know every man's a midfielder on the pitch mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just a midfielder in a different position um, to, to hoover up possession overloading areas, cute passes and stuff like that. He loves that sort of total football, which is hugely effective against lesser opposition. But when Man City struggle, in my opinion, is when they come against sides where they cannot have the bulk of the possession for the entirety of the 90 minutes. You know, when they do come against Liverpool, um, and arguably when they come against a Chelsea as well, I think Chelsea got it wrong last time they played City, but arguably when they come against a Chelsea that are pretty good at not being out-possessed, 
Um, they tend to have success against City, and I think that's why you know they've been after that ever so distant tra- Champions League trophy for a, for a very long time. Um, mm. Manchester City with this philosophy that's great for league football because I think it very very mean it's very very rare you lose to to lesser opposition using that sort of ultimate possession. Well, I uh, think if tactic. you're talking about that Chelsea game. Uh, I think if you look at the differences between how Pep approached the game against Chelsea and the game against Liverpool, the one thing that he didn't do against us that he did do against Chelsea and was so effective was a really high intensity, high press. Uh, you know, it's whenever Liverpool were in possession as in the second half, at least in the first half, they were pressing like like no tomorrow. We were barely out of our half. But in the second half, they dropped back into a low block as soon as we were in possession pretty much every time. I think it I think, was very that's... much of the, the, the pace of Jota, uh, Salah and Mane. Very, a, a reluctance to maybe give them any sort of space to run into. Hmm. Uh, Chelsea have obviously that, but they were playing a Lukaku-Werner um, as, as a front two. Obviously, is, if you play a low block against Lukaku, he's just going to rinse you. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I think it's... Also, that, just, yeah. just, just, sorry, just to piggyback onto that point, I think also the reason that Pep makes those changes for Liverpool... Pep is very much a character that he like carries his battle scars. You know that's why he, people tend to speak about him in the Champions League a lot, getting in his own head, making too many changes. I think he's been hurt so many times by Liverpool, obviously in recent years, by by them sort of sort of trying to go toe to toe with Liverpool in the sort of all out pressing department and and getting absolutely ripped apart in the first sort of twenty minutes. Reference the game where we was I think like it was only a year two year ago we was like three nil up inside. I think it was like 20, 30 minutes. And and he's done that too many times now, Pep. And I, I think he's sort of starting to realise that he just can't do that against this Liverpool side because they will get hurt. Adam, do you think that was why they were reluctant to go through the middle? I mean, when you have a Jordan Henderson and a Fabinho on the pitch, you, you're very much at risk at losing the ball in that <laughs> midfield and um, being quickly broken on. And why why go through, why not go through the path of least resistance? And that path <clears> of least resistance is probably at the fullback position for Liverpool, given that they're, su- they're yeah. such high attacking players. That that maybe as a as a if you were looking at uh, as a sort of if you put put all the Liverpool players in a pitch and where was the easiest sort of route to go you probably would plant it at that um, at those sort of fullback positions but yeah I think and that we've won the battle and and against Man City a few times and and the times we've been successful again against them I believe we have um, but yeah they did they did a really good job of their tactics obviously but I believe that the individual quality of Liverpool will come onto that second saga which might be the the best or maybe the second best um, goal I've ever seen him score. That one against Everton, isn't it? Yeah, Just yeah. Um, that. that's, the, that's the other one that's in my mind. Um, that well, one, the, on the season I, oh, I was they, thinking the one against record. Tottenham. Tottenham. But on this pretty much was where it was, it was, it was a similar type of goal where he sort of like, he rolled one player, sent another to the shops and then and then put it in from the same kind of angle. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you afterwards. I've, probably, I've cool. seen that. I've not really... I've never really missed the, the, the highlights in recent history, so I've most likely seen it. Um, but it was just, I thought it was spectacular. I thought it was a true sort of definition of a world class. Just the, the how good, with how good he is with the ball at his feet, it's just blinding. I think he's, What more do you expect from the best player in the world? I think, he, yeah, I think he is as a front, as a, as a, it's very, there's a lot of press release right now that, that are, that is coming across and saying that uh, that that Salah is the most informed forward in the world. I think that I very much agree with that. But it's, it's only recent out. the press have been saying that though. Yeah, I mean, very very recently uh, following this result. Yeah, but since since Salah has joined Liverpool, every season Neymar has got more plaudits than him, even though Salah's done more numbers than him in every department in the hardest league in Europe. So it's like the fact that Salah isn't mentioned in the same breath as Neymar. Messi, uh, Ronaldo, Mbappe, Haaland is a joke. I, I don't even think they're comparable in the sense that I'm talking Neymar here. In the sense, I, Salah's so far ahead of Neymar, it's not even it's not even funny. Yeah, I, I don't even think they're comparable. No, not for me. Not for me. I think in a, in terms of like complete game, I think. Uh, but I think it may be one of those things that, that you know Salah didn't really hit the heights of his career until until the the last stage of his twenties when he sort of into that mid twenties where he had a great time at Roma, um, and then obviously when he became so like you said for us he was twenty six, twenty seven, uh, and then ever since then obviously just strength to strength to strength to strength and just developing and and hitting that <coughs> super high press and the the the, the with a, a an extremely sort of um, 
direct counter attack under Klopp as well. I thought suited him really well. And then when we moved to possession base side, the the, the cutting inside on his on his left foot suited him as well. I think he's developed a lot under Klopp. But you know, that's not as sexy as the as a as a player that's been like at the top since they've been eighteen years old. Um, he's also just said that he's only just hitting his peak. Like yeah. he's only just coming into his peak now. If that forty-four goal season from Salah wasn't his peak, my God, give him the money he wants. Let's see what else is in the tank. <laughs> what a season that was! One of my one of my favourite seasons in recent memory. Even though we didn't, I don't think we won anything that season. We went to the final and lost to Real Madrid, but still, as an overall sort of watching Liverpool every week, um, that was a, that was a good old time in, in um, seventeen eighteen, believe I believe. Um, but yeah, great goal yesterday, though. I mean, the way he sat Bernardo down, full full on sent him to bed. And it's like I was pr- I was proud of writing this, and then I heard a commentator say it, and I was like, "Damn, now it's not going to sound original." Twisted <laughs> <laughs> so hard, he thought he was French again. <laughs> I was watching uh, CNBC, I think it was my stream, and then I, like just after I'd taken the note, fucking Nubed said it, and I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hate when that happens. I think I, I, when we were playing Man United, maybe a season two ago, um, Fabinho went right through Dan James. And I was about to tweet out, <laughs> Fabinho just turned Dan James into James Daniels. And someone <laughs> fucking beat me to it. <laughs> uh, such is life, folks. Uh, I want to finish up with our player ratings. Um, Before we oh, jump into that, can we can we cover one more thing? And that's go, Rodri's heroics to deny Fabinho at the death. Slow-mo Fabinho. Yeah, I mean, that. see that open net? That felt like it was... Time slowed down for me. I see there's yeah. lifting the trophy at the end of the season. That's how slow time went for me in that. But it's, it's, a, it's a super block. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very reactionary sort of thing for Fabinho. I think he can only really do what he does in that situation. Um, maybe he could try and hit it first time, but in retrospect, he probably thinks he's got a lot of time. Well, he, really... he wasn't that slow anyway. Like, no, he, he wasn't. He wasn't at all. Yeah, but he got in touch and he was a little bit off balance and had to mm-hmm. shift weight again and that's what gave Rodri time to it was, and it was that was extra really half a second yeah. shifting yeah. it was that very much it was millimeter sort of perfection for, for in terms of the block I think maybe Fabinho doesn't think he's in any danger of a block coming in because I wouldn't Rodri have, comes I, I definitely wouldn't have myself uh, like you know I mean I, I don't think anybody can grudge Fabinho for missing it because when you look at what he's doing with his footwork and then getting out he's not slow um Rodri makes you know, him look slow, though, because of how fast Rodri reacts. Yeah, and because of the camera angle in particular to where Fabinho's standing and where the net is, the net looks fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> and as if there's all the space, all the time in the world. Uh, but it does get... Obviously, a striker or, a, you know, an attacking-minded player probably hits that first time and just bags it. Um, you know, but, you know, big number six DMs, you know, then they'd get ourselves on balance and, <laughs> and put one away, you know. It's, it is what it is. It is what it is. And, you know, it was that and the deflection... For the for the second city goal, maybe yeah. put put yeah. some things on on, on, a, on a line for they me really for the, hurt. for the for the for the, the, the James Milner sending off that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we're gonna have to finish up, boys. And I want to get your player ratings. Uh, I'm gonna come to you, Adam, first. Um, give you your player ratings for the black the back line. Um, okay, so starting with Allison first, I'll give Allison a. I think I think I'll, I'll give him an eight. Um, again, like I said, I think he made some very good saves, especially in that first half. Um, <clears throat> some that I, I expect him to make, but I think it's all about doing the basics right in this game. Allison did the basics really, really well on such a consistent basis against really good players like Phil Foden. Um, you know, coming out, making himself big, making those stops. Um, but I don't, I, I only give him the eight just because I don't, I don't think it was an exceptional performance from him in terms of he was he didn't make any sort of world class saves to sort of keep us in the game. He just he just did what he had to do and he did it right every time. Um give him an eight for that. Uh Robertson, I think I'd also give an eight. I think Robertson was actually quite key, quite instrumental to to sort of the tempo for Liverpool lifting and 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 shifting in certain ways and, and getting the crowd going as well because the crowd was was it was going quite flat on a couple of occasions. I think when City were getting on top of us and and they just needed reminding, you know, we're we're still in this. The intensity is going to going to be here. Um, and as Deej mentioned, uh, when when they kept sort of putting the ball over to De Bruyne and and then sending it sending it back over to Milner's way. In the first few minutes, they actually tried getting at Robertson. They tried Robertson's way, and they were just having no joy whatsoever. And after that, they sort of gave up. 
so we had quite an easy ride defensively and and he was able to get a bit more time on the ball and uh, and try and get things moving. I thought he had a really good game. Um, John Matip, for me, also gets an eight. I thought he was superb in terms of, as you said, bringing the ball out. The direct passing, I think there was one pass in particular that he played straight through everybody all the way through to Jota, um, and we ended up getting a chance out of it. Um, him, for me, I, I think more on the ball than anything else, just looked I mean, he just looked standard Joel Matip, really. Just so comfortable, so calm on the ball. And just, like I said, that directness that Klopp mentioned as well, that he was just trying to get into everybody's heads. Uh, I thought Joel Matip was, was sort of brilliant in that department. Um, Virgil, I'd, I'd give a, a solid sort of seven. Um, I think he had a, a reasonably good game. Um, not really, didn't really do too much to, to highly impact it. Um, I, I don't really think he made many mistakes. Didn't really do much wrong. There's obviously the one Bernardo Silva run where he gets he gets done a little bit, but I, I, it was a fantastic run from Bernardo Silva to say the least. Um, and then going over to Milner, this I, I think I'm going to have to give Milner a five. Um, I and it's no through no fault of his own. I think this was the game where we speak about Milner's fitness and and how fit he is and what a great athlete he is. He is, and all of that is true. But this was the first game for me where I think we really saw maybe his age coming through when he's up against such a good player like Phil Foden. And it just it just looked easy at times, the way he was just skinning Milner. Um, and and it, it got to the point where you... I mean, we've said it, Milner was lucky to stay on the pitch. And I think even prior to, to that, that booking, as, as Deej alluded to a couple of other occasions, you were thinking he needs to come off, otherwise he's going to be sent off. Um, it just just wasn't a very good day for James Milner yesterday, and and I think yeah, I, I think he's probably good filling in that position. Maybe when he's playing against Zaha or something like that. But when you've got a player that's on, you know, the, that next level like Phil Foden truly is, like I, I believe he is any better anyway. I, I I think he's going to get shown up like he did yesterday. I don't think it's any shame at all. I've seen um, Phil Foden skin twenty five year old fullback. No, yeah, no, no, um, yeah, so no, no shame, shame at all from James Milner's part. Um, is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Deej, any deviation from Adam Straitens? A little bit, yeah. I think uh, I've got the eight for Ali and Robbo. I think uh, Ali made some great saves and the goals that did go in against him, if you were, they're like the Foden's goal was, that, that was such a good finish from such a tight angle and there was nothing Ali could do about that. And uh, we already spoke about De Bruyne's goal, who wasn't deflected. Ali's midair, ready for a, a world-class save. Uh, from from that strike, so uh, no fault for him there. Uh, but the effect that he did have, keeping us to nil nil before half time, I think is worth it, worthy of the eight on its own. Um, his distribution was good. Uh, he did get put under pressure by a few City players from time to time. They sort of stopped pressing him towards the end of the game because every time they did, he just pinged it out to to Robbo or or out to uh, Salah once or twice. Uh, his, his distribution was almost flawless. Um, Two centre-backs, I give him both seven and a halves. I don't think Verge did anything bad at all. He did, like uh, like Adam said, he did get spun by Bernardo Silva. But that, like Bernardo Silva, span about five people at the same time in that run. So uh, I don't think you can put too much blame on Van Dijk's that shoulders. That from midfield. Yeah, where he was like surrounded by Liverpool well. players and just popped that, out, yeah. That was world class as well. Um, uh, arguably, I think Bernardo Silva was the best City player on the pitch yesterday, I think. Um, um, I think that... We didn't even mention the whole joint match of the match, uh, man of the match. Uh, it's because it's not a the, thing. Sky yeah. is a joke for even mentioning yeah. it. I mean, I don't know why Gary Neville was bothered at the hard. Mo Salah was the man of the match in every aspect. Yep. If you look at sort of your squawker, your um, sofa score, who scored, whatever statistic site you want to reference, mm-hmm. um, Mo Salah is, is uh, by, sheer, by sheer statistics alone, is, is the most influential player on the pitch. Uh, and by just the eye test as well, he was clearly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so seven and a half for Van Dyke, seven and a half for Matip. Uh, I don't think he was quite deserving of an eight. Um, he, he was really progressive. He did bring the ball out a few times. He also lost the ball when he brought it out a few times, which is why I don't think I can push him up to that eight. Um, defensively, no problems with him at all. A uh, few absolutely quality passes. Like it, it, I, I think it was Matt. No, it wasn't Matip that fed Fabinho for in the build-up to Salah's wonder goal. Uh, yeah, Matip wasn't involved in that one. Uh, but I think he did make the pass to Salah for Mane's goal. It was either him or Fabinho that made that pass as well. I'm trying to remember now. Slept since I then. I think that might have been Fabinho. Yeah. But uh, he, he did he did 
create a few good chances with uh, with really long, fast across the ground balls, and I think that's uh, that's all you can really ask for from a ball playing centre back. Um, and then finally for Milner, I think I'll be a little bit more generous than Adam was. Uh, I think Foden skinning you, I don't think is something you can like repeatedly skinning you. I guess I don't think it's something that you can hold against people too much. And uh, I'm not sure it was his age showing. I think his frustration showed a lot. But I I didn't see him. I didn't look at Milner and just think, oh, he looks slow or he looks tired or he looks anything like like things that you normally attribute to age. He looked uh, he looked almost, um, this is going to sound really harsh, but I can't think of a better word for it. He looked almost amateur against Foden a couple of times. Oh, uh, giving away. No, you never, never, you, no, mate, I'm not having that. You never put I, I, amateur I and James Milner in the same fucking I, I, sentence, I, mate. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a word, but my point is, like, I, I, th- I think it's, it's it was easy. I think to like, like, cause I, I personally thought he was just slow. Um, for Foden, especially with how quick Foden is in terms of his ability, his agility with the ball, um, to just sort of sidestep him a few times and just burn away. I, that's all I meant by his age showing. Um, I think, I think maybe I, on the turn, yeah. he's he's lost a bit of pace on the turn, maybe. But I think in in a straight line, Milner's got the beating of most people in the Premier League. Uh, he's Super stamina as well. I think he, I think he can match yeah. a good few players for stamina as well. And I, 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 I get, think... I get exactly what you were meaning by making him sort of look. They're using the phrase amateur, but I think that's just you know. I think I feel like that's most fullbacks. I think that's like ninety nine percent of the fullbacks in the planet you know, really look bloody, like that really against a, against a player like Foden. You know, yeah, especially like, when he's Foden's on his really game. Really good. But yeah, he's really a, really a, good. Familiar though, as a six familiar. I think he gets that six up from the five because of the tactical fouls that he did. Like I said, he was lucky to stay on the pitch, but two of the fouls that he committed that were worthy of yellow cards were almost certainly about to lead to a goal. So I think Milner sort of saved our graces with a few of those tackles and almost took one for the team. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I think I can't go any higher than a six because I, I don't think he really impacted the game very much because he was kind of pinned back so much. Um, yeah, I think that, that sums up my back, my back four. We've got Everyone playing great, except for Milner. <laughs> did okay. Right, Theo. Um, Adam, I welcome back to you for your midfield ratings. Yeah, um, I think Fabinho, for me, gets a six. Again, not really through any fault of his own. I thought the game sort of just passed him by. I, I think the same was, was probably with Curtis Jones as well. Um, and it's, it's through all the things that we've sort of covered already. City didn't go through the middle. They, they looked to exploit... The uh, the spaces out wide, obviously with Foden getting one on one against James Milner, and and Fabinho just wasn't really able to be that. You know, we we kind of brought him in to be that dominating midfielder, get a midfielder against teams like Manchester City. I completely get what um, you're saying. I mean, give us that edge. When you think of a Fabinho, but what is his game? His game is dispossessing the opposition, using his big long legs. For, for intercepting passes, um, slipping into positions to cover centre-backs or, or full-backs that overlap. And when Man City, if, that's, if Man City aren't you know, going down and giving them any sort of work to do in that, on those departments, you know, he's not going to really excel in the game, is he? I completely get what you're saying there, Adam. Yeah. No, so so for me, Fabinho, it's just, just an average six. Um, like I said, no thought of his own. I just thought game passed him by a little bit. Um, and moving on to Curtis Jones, I, I thought it was, it was kind of similar... Um, in terms of the game passing him by, I just, I just thought he couldn't really, he couldn't really get on the ball and and get out, especially in the first half. The second half, he got a little bit better. He got, you know, he got a little bit more joy with with the whole team sort of becoming more uh, intent to actually attack. Um, and yeah, sort of the intensity of the team overall. Um, but I, I don't really think he he did enough to warrant anything more than than an average performance. So I'd probably give him a six as well. Um, going on to Jordan Henderson though, I'd I'd probably give him a seven, uh, maybe a seven point five if if I'm being generous. Um, one of the two, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, I thought in the first half again he was, to be fair, he he'd switched off a couple of times, um, made a couple of mistakes, let let a few runs get in behind him. But I thought in the second half, as I mentioned before, with the the tackle that he won really high up the pitch, he he helped set that tempo for the second half. And I really like how I saw somebody point it out yesterday. I, I can't remember who it was, so I, apologies. But they pointed out how Jordan Henderson almost adopted like a fourth attacker role. And it was really interesting to look at. And I think he's done it in a couple of games in the past, actually. Definitely got it and in the you, locker. You saw it a lot where he was, he was driving 
at times passed the forward line and bringing players with him, which gave Salah, obviously being on that right-hand side, it gave Salah the option for the pass or the space to come inside, as we all know that Salah likes to do. And I thought he did that so, so well in the second half. So for me, he was that level above everybody else in the defence. I'm sort of stuck between a 7 and a 7.5. Um, I'm, I'm feeling generous. I, I go with a 7.5 for, for now. I think that's just, for me that's that's Henderson's sort of football and intelligence and, and being able to recognise on the on the pitch what exactly what is needed at what time. Uh, and that just comes with experiences and, and playing in big matches like this. And and speaking of big matches like this, I think matches like this are ever so important for Curtis Jones' development. Because uh, unlike other young prospects, Curtis Jones is coming through a club when he plays his main first team football, the chances are he's gonna be in a side where he they are the dominant force. Uh, and you've seen them just excel against Porto. When they, when they dominated that midfield, yeah. put pressure on the back line, he was excelling completely in his element. I think in the first half, he just kind of looked to be a, bit, a little bit lost and thought, oh, you know, this is this is something different. This is we're against. We are not, we might not be the best team in the pitch right now, you know? Uh, and that's a different, that's a different sort of, that's something that Curtis Jones needs to get used to um, when he's going to excel at a top club like Liverpool. Um, but I think it, Saying that, I think Curtis did grow into the game. I think in the second half, he put in a much, much better performance. It was uh, extremely pleasing to see him to, to sort of hit those levels from probably 60 minutes onwards for me. I thought I thought he didn't really put a foot wrong uh, and really did actually show his quality. Um, but I think, yeah, just important to his development. Um, he's going to come to you for your midfield ratings. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sound a little bit harsher than Adam here, I think. Uh, same rating for Fabinho for almost exactly the same reason. No re- real fault of his own. He'll get a six because the game just bypassed him. Um, there was, uh, in, fa- in fact, I think it was for both the goals. He could have done better. Um, I think the second goal, especially Fabinho and Jones, uh, could have dispossessed uh, Jesus before the ball actually went towards De Bruyne. Um, and it could have quite easily done it. In fact, it, it almost looked like Curtis Jones took a step off and so did Fabinho and just gave him the path to, to make the pass. Uh, I found that quite frustrating, uh, which is why Curtis Jones, the next rating I'll come on to, is, is a six and a half for me. I think the second half improvement was was enough to warrant that extra half a rating. He, uh, as you said, from sixty minutes onwards, when he got the ball, he skinned Kyle Walker a few times, like completely did uh, Jesus a couple of times, uh, and even had a, a bit of a go against Rodri as well. Uh, and just his attitude, picking up a ball against City, who have arguably the best squad in the world, and just thinking, "I'm going to take you on and going for it." As a twenty year old lad, he's got some balls, that kid. Um, and, and it's it's good to see him showing him off, flapping him about, as, as if you will. Um, <laughs> and then for me, Henderson, I, I don't think I can be as, as generous and give uh, a 7 or a 7.5. I think Henderson's going to get a 6.5 as well. Uh, I think in the first half, he was our worst midfielder. Uh, he gave the ball away so many times. Um, a lot of City's quick attacks back against us when we were trying to come out were because Henderson was dispossessed or Henderson played a sloppy pass. Um, now, Players have games like this. I love Jordan Henderson. I think he's an incredible captain for the team. Uh, but sometimes you have an off day. And I think Henderson had an off day yesterday. I think even when things started to go our way a little bit more in the second half, he wasn't really that involved. There was that one challenge that Adam mentioned. And yeah, he was making a few runs out on the right-hand side, trying to be useful for Salah, but was was rarely utilised. Um, yeah, the space that was created maybe had Salah cutting in and and trying to do something else, but nothing ever really came of those either. So it's not like any big chances came from that. So I think for me, yeah, Henderson's uh, same as Curtis Jones, 6.5. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, completely valid points there. You know, I think overall we, we lost the battle in midfield, which is not something you really say for Liverpool um, very often. Uh, we so missed Genie. Yeah, a Genie player would have been, I think, you know, would have been quite influential. Although it's a big old task um, coming up against this Man City midfield. Big old task indeed. Um, Adam, I'm going to come back to you for your forward line ratings. Okay, so gave Salah a... Did I give him a 10 last week? Mm-hmm. Did I give him a 10? I think you did, yeah. Oh. The photo game. It was Curtis Jones we gave a 10. I don't think you gave Salah Oh, it was Curtis oh, Jones I yeah, gave a 10. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I was, I was thinking, I swear I gave Salah a 10 recently, but he just he seemed better in this game. Just, especially oh, it was 9.5 he, we got, wasn't it? It was um, just the, I, the I base. Just, I think when I'm factoring in what Salah actually had to work with and sort of how the two goals he essentially created out of nothing, um, which ultimately got us the point in the first place. I, th- I think I think I sort of have to give him a, about a nine point five again, 
Um, you know, every time he got on the ball, he looked threatening. But it was just those those two chances that, like I said, they they, they were nothing. Chat like he at the first goal, I think he picked up the ball from like a halfway line, chips the ball over the top of Cancelo, goes on a darting run, plays a really, and again, like the pass is a really really nice pass to Mane, who makes an exceptional run by the way. He was trying to get in behind Diaz the whole game, and. Uh, and it worked that time. We got the goal from it. And then the second goal, we, we've waxed lyrical about that enough. It just from start to finish, it, it was just, it's breathtaking. Like, I don't, I don't have enough words to describe how good that goal is or, or even to describe how good Mohamed Salah is. Um, so I think, yeah, all things considered, especially with what he had to work with and, and what the chances were created with, I think I have to give him a 9.5. Um, Sadio Mane, I thought, Actually, apart from the goal, I don't think this was Mane's best game. Um, I think he was someone, again, I know everybody did, but he's someone that struggled particularly in the first half to sort of just pick up the ball and really try and make things happen like we know that he can. Um, I think he was trying, as I mentioned before, he was trying that run in behind Diaz a lot, um, but he, he was almost making he was making it almost too early and, and, and maybe it was a, a miscommunication from, from both parts. I'm, I'm not really too sure, but... He was making that run far too early at times and then we were playing the ball far too early at times, almost like a hopeful 40-yard pass and, and it just wasn't wasn't really working. Um, the only time it obviously did was was for the goal, which, you know, again, it was a great finish from Mane, but, but most of the work I credit to Salah for that one. I give Mane probably a seven um, just for the goal as well. Um, Jota, for me, didn't really offer much again, unfortunately. Um, look, it was a tough test to see. Um, we knew it was going to be. He, uh, I, I, I think maybe I'm being overly critical. I think he should have played Mane through with that early chance we got in the second half. Um, I thought, I'm pretty sure Mane would have been one on one if he'd have played that ball through. Um, but he just, he just seemed really quiet all game. Even when we started to get on the front foot, he seemed quiet. And, and then we obviously brought Firmino on and we looked a little better. Um, I would have liked to see Firmino start this one personally, but yeah, it was just, just I think probably down to the quality of the opposition, and and we know that Salah and Mane are obviously levels above uh, the, the actual quality of Diogo Jota. Um, so I I think probably a six and a half for Jota, or, or maybe even a six. I just again, it was another one. It was just just a really quiet performance from him. I thought. I think that's probably on the money. I think one one thing that Jota did do particularly right was um, get that yellow card. Um, Get or get Ruben Diaz on the book, um, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like overall that that had a, a a positive effect for Liverpool. I think potentially that um with the, with the Salah pass through to Manny, which I think you know any number ten would be proud of that pass. So <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. great pass through, um, perfectly weighted. Um, I think if Diaz is on a yellow, maybe maybe kind of goes a wee bit harder in on Manny. Um, so you know the. You know, forcing forward, uh, forcing centre backs to to put them to get themselves in the book, especially when it's Diaz who's considered the the largely more influential of the two um, of, of him and Laporte. Uh, I thought that was a, a bit of good work by John. I mean, it, it gets a shot off early in the second half, sets a tone. You know, it's quite it's, it's, a, it's a straight down the throat at uh, Ederson. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I like I'm, I'm a big fan of Jota. Um, I like to try and give him praise whenever I can. Um, I, but I thoroughly agree with you, Adam. I thought Salah was absolutely excellent. I'd maybe go a wee bit better for, for Sadio Mane, maybe give him a, a full in 7.5 or an 8. I thought he was pretty good as well. Um, Deej, you're going to come at you and get your ratings for the front line. Yeah, uh, I'm fully in agreement with Adam on Mane. I don't think he had a great game. Uh, I think uh, I think he, he just had a, a tough time. He, it wasn't really going down our left-hand side. He wasn't really able to do his... Uh, we've mentioned it a few times. It's like it's unpredictable back and forth, which way am I going to send you? Let's just keep wobbling until you fall over and I'll go past you kind of mm-hmm. runs. Uh, they just didn't seem to come for him. He got his goal, which is why I think he gets a seven. I think arguably he'd have been somewhere between six and 6.5 if, if he hadn't got his goal. Um, Jota, I'm going to put on a seven as well. Uh, forced Edison to make a save uh, was a bit of a nuisance. I think uh, sort of contradictory to to what Adam was saying. I think Jota was actually the better of Jota and Firmino in, uh, in this game. Because I think when Bobby came on, uh, his biggest contribution to the game was giving the ball away, uh, and he, he gave the ball away a lot when he when he came on. And I think uh, I, I was in the camp of let's start Bobby this game because he will draw uh, Laporte and Diaz out of the defence and make room for for Mo and Mane. Uh, he didn't really do that when he started coming on either. Uh, so I I'm wondering if 
Bobby starting on the bench is a question of form at the moment. And I've, I mean, I've been talking the past few episodes about how I think Jota's form isn't good. Bobby's must be awful for him to, to not pit Jota to the starting lineup in this one. Um, um, but, I mean, yeah. I think all of us at Total Liverpool are been expecting for me not to start. I think it's something we all predicted, given he's good, you know, he's sort of good um, um, influence in his, his recent substitutions, mainly against Porto, but he gets a brace. Um, mm. But if you kind of look at it in retrospectively, I mean, Bobby generally receives the ball from the centre of midfield. He generally receives it probably from from a Henderson or a Fabinho or a Jones or a Keita. It's generally it's and it's normally to go either side, normally down the left or down the right at some point. Whatever Bobby's decided. Um, he's going to try and lock a pass or, or make a run. Um, we'd, we just weren't hitting that pass through the middle, I don't think. It's not a pass that we generally hit that game. And when you take that pass away from Bobby, his influence in the game is 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 diminished somewhat. Whereas a Jota, all he really needs is a quick sort of ball to feet or he's even good in the air and he can spin and do a shot as he does early on in the first half or he can, you know, break away from a Ruben Diaz and force a foul, force a, force a centre-back into the book. So retrospectively as I'm looking back at the match you sort of think that maybe Jota was the right or really the right striker or the right centre forward to start of the two of them I don't know what your thoughts on that are, DJ. I think if if we if we went out to kill the game off early then I think yes Jota is the, the right choice for it because I think Jota is more of a goal threat than Bobby but if we wanted to control the game and ensure a win I think Bobby would have still been the, the best choice because one of Laporte or Diaz is going to have to keep an eye on him all the time. Even if he drops into the centre of midfield, they're going to have to go with him, which is just going to make so much more space for Mo and Mane to work their magic. Uh, it didn't look like we went out to try and kill the game early. We did start really positively, but how quickly that fell apart uh, makes it seem to me like our our instructions weren't go for the throat, uh, where I think if they were, maybe we'd have been a bit more successful in that first half. But coming on to the final member of the front three for my rating for... for the one and only Egyptian king, Mohamed Salah. Uh, I'm going to keep this nice and brief. For me, he gets a best player in the world out of 10. <laughs> solid, solid rating. I don't think anybody would argue that, um, given these influence in our game. So, so important to us. Um, lads, just want to finish up uh, on your your rating for Jurgen Klopp. How he managed to match, how he set up. Um, give, us, give us your rating first. I'll, go, I'll come to you first, Adam. Uh, yeah, well, I think I think it's actually really interesting when Deej mentioned the uh, not being sure about what the instruction was from the get-go, whether it was go for the throw or not, because I, I was a little confused by it, because I, I from his after the uh, post-match comments, he did say that, that we just started pinging, as I mentioned before, those sort of like 40-yard balls over, over to Mane, trying to get in behind Diaz, and, and he seemed very confused by that. He was saying there's no, there's no sort of sense in it. So I don't I'm not sure if it was more of a the players just weren't doing what he'd instructed them to do, maybe because of the way uh, Man City sort of set up, and, and maybe we didn't expect that. Um, I think his substitutions I, th- I thought were all right. Um, I can't really fault them, or really the timing of them. I think the only one I, I maybe would critique is is potentially the the timing of Milner coming off. However, saying that... A wee touch earlier. A wee touch earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, however, saying that, I thought when... I thought they reacted well to the fact that when we realised he's going to get sent off here, like after we got lucky, they were very quick to sort of be like, right, let's just just get him off, get Gomez on. And I thought they were quick to react there. I I I would have liked to see the substitution earlier, though. Um... I, I think overall he, he got the setup right, apart from maybe the Firmino one. Again, I still maybe it's because we didn't get the three points. I still sort of feel aggrieved by that. I, but I, I think going Bobby would have, would have been the right call. Um, we know the success he's had out of out of Man City uh, in particular as well in recent years. So I think Jurgen Klopp, I'd probably give him a seven. Or the, mm, is that? Yeah, I'd give him a seven. I thought I thought you he he we'd set up okay. I I just I think it was maybe more of a player's not not really doing what he he wanted them to do. In fact, no, sorry, I'll give him a seven point five just purely because he obviously got them in at half time and he changed something. You know, like he the changed the mentality yeah. in that team. And the post match, he's he, never he, but, been as happy to see half time in his entire career, yeah. and that doesn't generally speak to saying things are going to plan. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the, yeah, that's what I mean. Half, he was, I, I don't. I don't necessarily think the first half was down to his setup. I think because he seemed very confused by some of the things that the players had tried to be tried doing. So I'm not sure that was down to him. 
Um, Deej, your, your rating for, for Jurgen Klopp's match managing and, and, and team, team selection? Yeah, for similar reasons, it's a seven. The uh, the first half, I, I'm not sh- still not sure what the plan was. Uh, we, I'm just sure that it's not what Klopp actually wanted. So I think the players have to shoulder most of the blame for, for that poor performance. Uh, and and like we said, I think if the Milner if the Milner sub could have happened maybe a little bit earlier, um, we wouldn't have this controversy of Milner shouldn't have been on the pitch, uh, floating around and sort of tarnishing what what was arguably the most entertaining game of the season so far, even though only 45 minutes of it were worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he got much wrong uh, in in his substitutions. Uh, I'd like to have seen Bobby play a little bit better when he came on, um, but. Form is uh, form is temporary. Class is permanent. I'm sure Bobby will be back. Um, and yeah, his his words at halftime must have uh, must have really galvanised everybody because we were a completely different outfit in the second half. And I think that's that's got to be credit to Klopp for that. And I'm I'm sure almost certainly Milner and Henderson as well in the dressing room. Uh, probably Robbo too. Uh, Robbo being Mister Intensity uh, was probably a, a big part of of uh, building everybody up for that second half performance. It's yeah, a shame we didn't get the three points, but I think we're fortunate to get the one, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I take the point out there. Looking back at the match now, I think the point is a, probably the fair result. I don't think Man City necessarily deserve to lose. I don't think we necessarily deserve to lose either. So I didn't predict the point. Well. Yeah, and you did as well. You're quite, you're quite good at these predictions. You know, you, I think this might be the first one I've got right this season. I think. No, no, I think you've had another one right. I think you had a scoreline right, right near the start of the season. You had, you had the yeah, you had a, yes. Was it the Chelsea score? Game? I think it might have been. I, I, um, I think you might have said one. I said a two-one win for, for us against Chelsea. Uh, hmm. Indeed, indeed. Uh, right, to you, boys, that is going to do us. Uh, thanks very much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Wow. Well. I mean, oh, this is your show. You're here every week, Adam. You're here every week. And so, the listeners, uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. We look at other statistics, but we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in and, and listening to the show every week. Uh, we will be back um, very soon uh, with the next one. So, uh, until then, uh, cheerio bye. Cheery bye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport social.co.uk. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.